Good morning, everyone. Seems a bit weird to um, enter Lent and um, go to the birth of John the Baptist, which is a gospel story, something that you probably approach over Christmas. Um, I thought the Benedictus would be a good place to um, think through uh, as we are in the middle of Lent. Uh, I was at college for the last three years, and when I went to college, I was a fresh-faced ordinand. And as soon as we arrived, um, we were told we'd be praying every morning um, in the chapel. We had to do morning prayer from the Common Worship book, which is the, the sort of much revised version of the Book of Common Prayer from which we draw our service today. So the first few weeks were incredibly frustrating because there was this thing we had to do every day. And we'd get to this point in the prayer before we read the New Testament passage and we'd have to all stand together and say the Benedictus. And I was astonished. I was annoyed about this because every single day, every day we were saying the exact same thing. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. who has come to his people and said, I memorized it in the first month because we'd said it that much. And then over the months, it became a battle cry. And I valued it intensely. So I thought I'd share some of that with us today. Zechariah, when we meet him at this point, it's been a sad story for Israel. It's, it's not been a good story at all. They don't have the kings that they had. They don't have the kingdom that they had. In fact, they're only just uh, recovering from years of exile. The temple that they worship in is a shadow of what it used to be. And they probably have within their stories laments where people are remembering what the old temple was like. So when we meet Zechariah, Zechariah is a priest who is privileged to be a priest, to be born into the right family. Um, he's privileged to be serving in the temple. It's his time to go to serve in the temple. He's privileged to go and be the one to burn incense. He's won um, that privilege by lots. It's almost like a lottery. So he goes into this place. And he's going into the, the place to burn the incense, knowing that... Um, Israel's story is not a happy story because God's story for Israel has not progressed for quite a while. It's not progressed for quite a while. They've had the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've had the judges, Joshua and the like. They've had the kings. And now through the exile, they've had the prophets. And they're all looking forward to this time of fulfillment where the story will kickstart again. It's a sad story for Israel, but it's a privileged story for Zechariah. He's in a place very few people get to go. And when he enters this place, the angel appears. And the angel basically means that God is, in, is moving the story forward. The story of Israel is going to move a notch further. And Zechariah, who's won this space, he's gone to this place by lots, is now part of God's story for Israel, which is moving forward. And we're talking about Zechariah now because he was included in the story. He was included in the story. But something happens when the angel tells Zechariah about this child that Zechariah is going to have in his old age. Zechariah doubts and says, how, how, how can I know that this is going to happen? And 
the angel tells him he's not going to speak for the nine months. He's going to be quiet. He won't say a thing for nine months. So by the time we meet him at the point where he opens his mouth for the first time, he has been quiet for nine months. And that's where, for me, Lent becomes important because I'm thinking, how would I manage? Nine, I talk a lot. Richard knows this. Those who know me, I can't stop nattering. Uh, how would I manage nine months in silence? But there's something about the silence that allows Zechariah to connect with the full story of Israel, with the story to which he has been invited into, and with the place that his son has in what is now the beginning of the time of fulfillment. The time of fulfillment. It's no longer exile, it's no longer prophets, it's no longer patriarchs, it's no longer kings. It's fulfillment. God is doing something. God is doing something. A brief look at what he actually says. Benedictus, benediction is basically blessing. So he blesses God, who has not forgotten the promise he made through his prophets. He's not forgotten the age that has just gone past where he said he's going to do something about the condition of his people, Israel. He's going to do something about their, their oppression under Rome. He's going to do something about their current status quo. Bless God, because he's, he's not forgotten that. Here is an angel who's saying to me, God is going to do something, and he's going to do it through your son. Let's bless him. But there is a point at which it turned slightly for me as I was reading it. And that's when he, he gets to verse 74 and verse 75 of chapter 1. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. A priest who has been serving in the temple will know that the whole point of temple worship was that we were unable to be holy and righteous all of our days. Because the temple was the place where we went to repent and atone for the things that we did which were unholy and unrighteous and unclean. So this line here, for me, points to a future. But a future that's not far off, because he's already blessing God for this time that's beginning. God is going to change the circumstance of Israel, and this story is going to move from us needing to come and sacrifice the animals that we sacrifice to be made clean again. It's going to change from that to a time where we are holy and righteous before him all the days of our lives. It's going to change. We will not need this building anymore. It is prophetic. It speaks forward. And it celebrates something. And then in my head, he, he's been talking to the people who have surrounded the house, who are wondering about the name of this child. He turns to his child he says, and you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. He turns to his son. You, my son, have been chosen also to be part of this story. You, my son, also are going to be spoken about in this age of fulfillment. 
you are going to say the things to people that are going to drive them to forgiveness, towards repentance and coming to God, to usher in this age of a righteousness that is continuous, that is all the days of their lives. You will go before the Lord. Why? Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. He looks forward and he sees the work of God and he sees that actually Jesus is not going to just come to the, the castles. He's going to go to those who are living in darkness and in the shadow of death. But he's also saying that his son John will go before the Lord. I feel a bit of heartache for Zachariah as he looks at his son and recognizes the road's not going to be easy. To shine on those living in darkness and to guide our feet into the way of peace. This child will go before the Lord. Sadly, even in the story of John as we read, that is ultimately true. He goes before the Lord even into death, even into the shadow of death itself. That doesn't exclude the blessing at the beginning because God is in the business of changing things and the king who follows John into the shadow of death brings with him victory. So as we look at John walking ahead and going into what looks dark, we see Jesus coming right behind him, following him exactly the same way, but the outcome is something we're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks. Resurrection and hope and a change and the forgiveness that he purchases for us that gives us the gift of righteousness, gives us the gift of holiness by which we here now can live and work to his praise and glory all the days of our lives, blameless because of the gift of Christ in us. So, This prayer is prayed every day uh, across the country. And as I was thinking through its relevance for us today in Lent, a verse kept springing to to my mind about us being chosen in the same way to be part of God's story. And the verse was us being a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And our call being one that is to actually go before the Lord to prepare his way. So when Zechariah holds John and speaks, in essence, he holds us and speaks. Because we are now sent by Christ post his resurrection to go before him, proclaiming the good news to all the nations. To be part of God's unfolding story. But then, when I place myself as the child to whom Zechariah is speaking, I'm forced to pause because I think to myself, hmm, what does that mean for me in my current sphere? It means having a conversation with my brothers. It means having a conversation with my football buddies. It means sitting uh, over there and having a conversation with the not-so-easy-to-speak-to people who walk into the church. Uh, And that's not easy. That's tough. That's tough. 
And I'm reminded that Zechariah says these words after nine months of silence. After nine months of silence. And I receive hope because Lent now here gives me the space to pause and ponder. To let go of the thing that I'm used to doing. He probably was a priest, a very good priest, explained loads of things to people. They probably came to him for answers, but for nine months, he couldn't talk. What does it look like for you in your lives to be that child whom God is going to use to go before Jesus? Say to people, hey, Jesus is here. He has come. And he is for you. What, is it, what does that do for your lives? And can Lent, these next few weeks that are left of it, be a gift to us to ponder and to think and to go from doubt? I don't know whether this is, you know, how can I know this for sure? To blessing and faith. To go from I don't know about this, to blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel who has come to his people to set them free. We are called to go before the Lord and prepare his way to give people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high has broken upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the gap between us hearing that and proclaiming that may be lent for us today. Maybe nine months between conception and the birth of John the Baptist. It may be 120 days waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. It may be 40 days in the desert being tested. We will make use of the time that we have. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, upon that cross to which we um, march over this period of Lent. Lord, would you strengthen in us the things that lead us to hope? Would you refresh in us your call to servitude, to live out of compassion? Would you solidify in us the sense of your grace and your mercy and your peace and your light shining in the darkness? For those of us who are tired from a long life of following you, Lord, would you refresh us once more? May that dawn from on high break upon us afresh and grow in us a passion for you, for your name. And Lord, would you reveal to us those moments that are natural to us where we can point people towards the king who follows, who is here. Draw us to silence 
draw us to reflection, draw us to prayer, and draw us to peace. Amen.